I'm Mary Parker, and welcome to this episode of Eureka's Sounds of Science. Today I'm joined by Brad Gartland, Senior Account Manager for Charles River. Just this year, Brad was royally recognized by Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall, as a platinum champion in honor of the Queen's Jubilee. Brad was one of almost 500 volunteers who were granted the distinction due to their dedicated volunteer work. For Brad, that work is intensely personal, as he fights to support men's mental health following the suicide of his father in 2016. Brad joins me to share his story and his dedication to mental health. Welcome, Brad. Hello. <laughs> I'm really glad to have you here, and I'm excited to talk about this topic. So, Thank you very much for having me on the podcast as well. Yeah, really no problem it. at all. <laughs> so to start us off, can you tell me about how you learned you would be getting this recognition from the Queen? Yeah, of course. Well, um, first of all, I was nominated um, by someone that basically attends... Um, one of the mental health support groups that I run, uh, that I help run in Rochdale called mm -hmm. Andy's Man Club that we can go into detail later on. And they basically sent me a message to say that they heard of this, um, you know, award and they, they wanted me to, um, they wanted to put me forward for it. Mm -hmm. So obviously I was, <laughs> obviously I really appreciated, you know, the, the kind of recognition from them and, you know, they, they sent in the application and um, a few months later, um, they heard that the application was successful. And then um, I got a letter um, through the post as well, um, a, a signed letter from the Duchess of Cornwall saying that was recognised as a platinum champion. So it was um, quite nice to obviously receive that recognition. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always it's always nice when hard work pays off, even if you're not doing it for the recognition, obviously. Exactly, exactly. How did you hear you were in the running for this award? Did Andy's, Andy's house tell you or did you get a letter or something? Yeah, so the person that nominated me first of all received um, an email to say that the application was successful, and then they had to then obviously give my contact details um, to to the award to the award mm -hmm. um, to the Royal Volunteer Service, and then the Royal Volunteer Service basically contacted me um, to say that I was recognised as a platinum champion, and then I received my signed certificate and um, and also a, a pin as well from the Duchess of Cornwall. Nice. So can you tell me about your dad? How'd you get started with your volunteer work? Yeah, of course. So first of all, my dad was, you know, he was a family man. Um, you know, he played rugby league to a high standard. And, and for those in the States, um, it kind of compared rugby league to American football. Yep. Um, so obviously <laughs> you had to be you had to be physically fit and, and obviously athletic to play. Um, he also had, you know, a, a successful job, you know, a great family um, as well and, and a huge network of support. And basically, whenever someone needed him, he was always there to give help. Mm -hmm. And people basically could say from the outside, it looked like he had um, everything. But even though he had that, you know, huge support network and, and was well loved, I don't think he actually felt as if he could talk to anyone about how he was feeling, which then sadly led to him taking his own life in August 2016. And at that time, when that happened, I thought, you know, if, if this could happen to my dad, you know, the sociable life of the party, the guy that always had a smile on his face, then it could happen to anyone. Mm -hmm. So I knew from that, you know, from that moment that I had to start spreading the message that it's okay to talk. And I was actually 19 years of age at the time. So I just finished my first year of university and I was about to enter my second year um, in Durham. And kind of within that time period, 
some of my family and friends um, got together and we set up, first of all, a foundation in memory of my dad called the Stephen Gartland Foundation. And this um, is essentially, um, it's been set up to help keep my dad's name alive, first of all, and then to spread the message of the importance of talking. And also any money that we raise would then help um, families in the local area as well that are going um, going through a difficult time. And then also during that time, Andy's Man Club had just started uh, in 2016 as well. So I knew that that was something I could get involved with as well. Um, and the person that founded Andy's Man Club was also had a, a rugby league background too. So obviously a, um, he played professional rugby league. Um, so it's obviously I wanted to reach out to him and kind of, you know, try and do as much as I can to help spread the message across the rugby league family, across Rochdale, and then eventually, you know, across um, across the nation too. So initially I started to promote, you know, Andy's Man Club and, you know, and doing charity events. Um, you know, I participated in such events such as Walking to London. Um, I didn't actually complete the full event and the founder of Andy's Man Club wasn't too happy with me because <laughs> I didn't I didn't complete the full event, but I had to I had to go back to university and, uh, and get on with, obviously studies um, as mm-hmm. well. But as soon as I finished university in 2019, I always knew that I wanted to start my own branch in Rochdale to help the people um, in the hometown of myself and my dad. Is Rochdale a, a rural or an urban area? So Rochdale is around 20 minutes north of Manchester. So it is part of the greater Manchester area. Um, mm-hmm. And I'd say it's kind of on the border between ur- um, urban and rural. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, fairly close to, to the city, but then you know, it's also got um, hills, uh, you know, lots of nice hills and stuff on the doorstep. Oh, beautiful. So what is Andy's Man Club? Club? Is Andy the rugby player that founded it? Yeah, it's a good question. So Andy um, was also somebody who unfortunately took his own life in early 2016. Um, so Andy's Man Club was set up um, in early 2016 by someone called Luke Ambler. Um, and Luke Campbell was um, Andy's brother-in-law. And it was actually initially um, set up around in Halifax, which is around about half an hour from Rochdale. And basically, Luke sent out a message to, you know, obviously on his, on his Facebook profile to ask, you know, who wanted to come in and just have a bit of a brew and a chat just to talk about how they've been feeling. Mm-hmm. And within that first Andy's Man, uh, Andy's Man Club session in Halifax, there was around five people that turned up. And just kind of had a bit of a chat um, and a brew as well. And then from that, it's increased now to 100 groups nationally um, across the UK. And basically, the essence of Andy's Man Club, it's a non, um, it's non-judgmental, confidential um, and safe space for, for men to come and talk. Every single Monday from 7pm, excluding bank holidays. And again, you know, they can, you know, men can come talk, realise that they're not alone and just have that connection um with with other like-minded individuals that makes perfect sense i mean there's a lot of similar groups here in the u.s anyway you know like um aa or um, narcon or whatever where you know people have sort of group sessions but they're usually based around some sort of shared illness or grief or whatever it there's not really an equivalent where it's just meeting up just to talk um, if you don't have those issues, but you know, cause everybody still needs someone to talk to. hundred percent. It's vitally important as well. And I mean, especially throughout the COVID-19 pandemic too, when, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't leave your house, et cetera. And, you know, if you're feeling down, um, you know, depressed and anxious, 
anyway you already feel isolated and you already feel like you can't relate to people and then you know on top of that COVID-19 pandemic when people actually couldn't leave the house so they were physically isolated as well as mentally isolated as well that's an extra pressure for everyone and obviously Andy's Man Club is that place where people can just come sometimes you sit and, and listen and not even talk mm-hmm. and actually then just feel connected and feel like they're not alone and, and some people actually turn up with the intention of not talking and just you know listening to other people mm-hmm. but as soon as that person has listened to kind of a few people in similar situations they actually start to speak because that's again when they realize that they're not alone and there are people out there that feel um similar to what they do i've heard some people say similar things when they've wanted to go to um you know group sessions for grief counseling or whatever they don't mm-hmm. have any intention of talking and then they end up being you know one of the first to talk and they talk a lot longer than they think they will which is definitely healthy i think but but speaking of the andy's man club like what are some of the special mental health challenges that men tend to face like i've read elsewhere that men can often feel isolated and obviously in a lot of cultures men are not encouraged to talk about their feelings especially with other men of course, yeah. I mean, that word isolated um, definitely comes up a lot, especially when talking about men's mental health. Um, you know, and one of the reasons is because they believe if they speak, you know, it shows some sort of weakness. And a lot of men believe that, you know, they don't need support and that they can sort everything out on themselves um, by themselves as well. So, you know, they kind of close in on themselves. And let's say they may have, you know, suffered some trauma, you know, whether that be major or just kind of a, um, a minor bit of trauma. They'll just want to deal with that on their own. And all of a sudden, you know, like a few months or a few years on, you know, they've got these problems in their head and they feel like they can't talk to anyone about it at all. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, my dad, um, a typical rugby man, you know, I used to go and watch him play, uh, play the sport. I used to see him get knocked over, you know, physically injured, and he just got back up and, and kind of carried on without any support. And I think, you know, especially men um, and kind of seeing my dad get knocked down and, you know, getting back up and, and carrying on I think he actually took that from a mental um, perspective as well so as soon as he kind mm. of suffered a bit of a mental knock he probably used to get back up you know carry on and act like everything was okay and from the outside that meant that I was looking at my dad and he had this smile on his face and he was you know the life and soul of the party again but truly I couldn't see exactly what was going on in my dad's mind unless he actually did talk that's a really good analogy. Um, I think it works even even better if you think about it in terms of American football, where the players are taking all of these knocks over and over again that they don't mm. feel in the moment, but they add up. And now, of course, there's this big issue with, um, uh, I, can, I can never remember the name, but basically the repetitive concussion syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it builds up over time. And, you know, emotionally, it's kind of the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. So what made you decide to set up a branch of Andy's Man Club in your hometown? Like, why'd you go with them and maybe not another mental health group? Andy's Man Club was very close to my heart. Um, and, and there's a few reasons for that. Obviously, it was founded in the same year that my dad took his own life. Um, so straight away, you know, as soon as my dad took his own life, I needed some sort of purpose if you will and I, I, I needed to kind of at least feel something and at least feel like you know I could do something positive with this tragic event so mm-hmm. you know I, I threw myself into Andy's Man Club and obviously remained very close to the founder and also you know other people for Andy's Man Club for, for quite a long time so that was always very close to my heart and I, I always wanted to give something back 
um, as soon as I finished university. And Hernandez Mankled by that point, you know, it had around 40 groups across the nation. Um, you know, it, it was becoming really well established. But people in Rochdale still didn't know and appreciate the importance of talking. So I knew that I could take this charity, put it into Rochdale and, and really, you know, exacerbate and, and amplify that message across, you know, our family and friends. And the fact that it is in Rochdale, you know, people can relate to the story of my dad. They can relate mm-hmm. then to Andy's Man Club. And you can actually have something tangible then when people can come speak, relate to each other and and feel better from it. So to be fair for me, it just made complete sense to put two and two together and, and get Andy's Man Club in Rochdale. And now we actually have um, two groups in Rochdale as well, which shows how much it's grown in the last two years. Mm-hmm. So in November 2020, that was when the first group started. We had again around five to 10 people in the first session. And then towards the end or, or the start of this year, around about January 2022, um, there was around 61 people on average attending every week. And that's a huge number. Um, mm-hmm. So we knew at that point that we needed to you know, increase the group number in Rochdale as well. So we actually split Rochdale up into an area called Spotland and then Castleton um, as well. So now again, we've got two groups. And we've got big numbers attending there as well and, and creating that much needed support for the people of Rochdale. That's fantastic. I like how they could come together initially, you know, to share thoughts of your dad, who sounds like he was a pretty popular person in town. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good, as a starting point for sure. And, you know, that can, that can bring a group together. And then once they get started, it's easy to keep going. So kind of switching gears a bit from your perspective, what are some of the most valuable benefits that a company can offer to help protect their employees' mental health? We're hearing a lot about, you know, companies being competitive, trying to get the best employees in the current current job market. And this is the sort of thing that they should definitely be focusing on as a, as a key benefit to employees. So what do you think a company can do to, to genuinely help their employees? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so first of all, I'd say the company's got a key role um, to actively support a healthy work-life balance. That's key. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, promoting that healthy work-life balance is extremely important. Is obviously helps to reduce any stress of employees, and it also helps to prevent burnout as well in the workplace. You know, and, and stress is actually one of the most common health issues in the workplace too. So obviously, that's the first kind of instance where a company can have a real positive impact. Mm-hmm. But then, let's say that an employee maybe wants to access some mental health support within the company. This support needs to be visible and easily accessible uh, as well, because it's all well and good having support available. But if your employees don't know that it's there, then, you know, how are they actually going to, you know, benefit from it? Right. Um, You know, basically, you know, when people are depressed and anxious, they feel like they're alone anyway and there's no support out there. So it's really, really, really important that that support is just made as easily accessible and as visible as possible so they know how and where to find it. That's a really good point because the more stressed you get, kind of the first thing that goes is your ability to do any other kind of executive function, like figure something out. You know, you're stressed and your and your coffee maker breaks. The last thing you want to do is figure out how to fix it. You just want to go buy a new coffee maker. So, yeah, it, yeah it, they should have like a checklist. Like, here's what you can do. Click this box. Click this box. Like something real simple and straightforward way to access these services. Exactly, and. And these services can be in many forms as well. Um, so, so for example, um, mental health for staters, 
So I'm a mental health first aider for Charles River and, you know, I've had some conversations with, you know, employees as well about, you know, their struggles and stuff. And these conversations are obviously 100% confidential. You provide a safe space. And again, it's a non-judgmental conversation as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously now we're becoming more virtual. So these conversations can happen in, in a room in an office or they can happen via Teams as well. So again, making that conversation very flexible and, and accessible. And then also the employee assistance programs, um, which I actually didn't know what an employee assistance program was before joining Charles River. But essentially, it's a, it's an independent service and provides free, confidential and non-judgmental support wherever you need it. And also, in some cases, it can be available to immediate family members as well. And that's, you know, essentially counselling, um, you know, mindfulness-based uh, programs, different fitness classes. You know, there's a, there's a wide range um, of material and, and resources that an employee assistance program can provide and also mm-hmm. for example talks as well so getting charities to come in and carry out some talks for example stress management or burnout talks just to increase that awareness and and you know the um, toolkit to deal with um, you know burnout and stress mm-hmm. and also getting colleagues as well to give talks you know whether that's senior management or whether it's um, anyone at all within the company because people connect with people and if an employee can open up that can then encourage a more open environment as well so people can bring their full selves to work rather than wearing that mask as well yeah and it, yeah like you said i think it is actually those can be even more valuable when a senior manager does it showing that there's not going to be any kind of blowback or mm-hmm. you know because that the last thing you want when you're stressed is for your manager to know about it. Um, doesn't help, <laughs> doesn't help decrease your stress for sure. So, but if they seem supportive and give talks like that, I think it can definitely go a long way. Um, yeah. And then kind of like the, the next thing is how obviously we make that support accessible. Um, you know, obviously there's people working in the office. So, you know, whether that's kind of leaflets around the office in communal mm-hmm. areas or, um, or private areas as well, such as at like the, the back door of a, a cubicle for example if it's got a phone mm-hmm. number on it and, and an employee just wants to go and know a phone number down but then again you know bearing in mind that we've got people working remotely now as well so making this information accessible on you know team sites and sharepoints etc and also distributing emails yeah yeah definitely yeah, exactly because obviously the fact that then employees know that this support is easily accessible um, and available it just goes a very very long way um, mm-hmm. But for that employee feeling actually, you know, valued and, and supported at the organization. Yeah. So why do you think people might be reluctant to un- utilize benefits like these? And uh, what can a company do to encourage employees to use them? Yeah, exactly. So um, I was actually reading an article the other day, which highlighted that around 51% of respondents to a survey said they felt under pressure to put a brave face on at work. Mm-hmm. So obviously that's a a big issue and and these employees are basically putting on a mask to come to work which is incredibly hard and and draining to be honest and Mm -hmm. again 51 percent is a huge number but like why don't they actually admit that they're struggling uh, and utilize the benefits fear of judgment to be honest um Mm -hmm. kind of as you touched on before you know an employee might want not want to admit they're struggling because they don't want to come across is is weak and you don't you don't want you know anyone to think that you're no longer capable of doing your job but I'd say, let me tell you that admitting that you're actually struggling is one of the bravest and strongest things to do. And it says a lot about you as a person uh, as well, you know, with, with your courage to do so. Mm-hmm. And then obviously admitting that you're struggling will also inspire others too. 
because obviously the survey said around half of the people, you know, actually come to work with a mask on and, and, and don't want to admit that they're struggling. So you're technically not alone, really. You know, if you're admitting that you're struggling and, and there's someone else next to you that is also in the same boat, then you're also inspiring them. And, you know, before you know it, you can be more open and, and you've created just a more open workforce just by actually actually talking. Yeah. Um, and often that can lead to real changes too that actually reduce your stress. I mean, if, if every one of your employees is saying that they're struggling, then maybe management takes a harder look at what they're doing and, and can help lighten the load a bit in some cases exactly no exactly and um basically as well if if as as i said before if senior leaders are obviously more open about their struggles it can also encourage you know other employees to do the same because you know we look up to senior leaders as obviously people that that lead the company we actually take it for granted that they're actually all okay and getting on with everything just fine Mm -hmm. but obviously we never truly know what someone's going through and and sometimes you know when some people are so I help in an organization, you know, they've, they may have had some struggles that have motivated them to actually get to that stage, you know, and obviously if they're open about that, then again, more people can, can relate and then feel more, um, more welcome to actually talk about their stories, um, as well. Yeah. There's a saying that I've read elsewhere that says something like people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. Yeah. And so keeping a close eye on your managers and making sure that they are expressing these company values of, you know, valuing employees' mental health and and decreasing stress instead of increasing stress, these are all things that can help with employee retention, you know, just from a bottom line standpoint, it's a good idea. A hundred percent. And and something I was thinking about earlier as well, you know. Happy productive teams are basically built from happy productive people. So it's obviously vitally important that a company looks after its people because if your people aren't happy, then your team basically won't be optimal. And yeah. if a company shows that it cares and provides support for its people, the people then feel valued, happy, and engaged, then create a more productive workforce. And then if you've got a happy and valued workforce, the retention rate will then be high. The company mm-hmm. becomes attractive then for people to apply because you've got a company full of happy employees and who doesn't want that and so it's, it's basically a wing it's a win-win <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so yeah so what would you like to say to anyone listening who might need some help what would you want them to do please talk um you're not alone i know it sounds very simple and easy for me to say but it's true um and if you do feel like you're a burden and you don't want to talk let me tell you that you're not a burden um, you know, feeling like you're actually in a burden isn't a fact. It's just a feeling because mm-hmm. people actually care for you, want to help. And there's literally so much help and support out there. You know, I've, we've talked about some of the support within, you know, Charles River and, uh, and other companies as well. But that is just such a snapshot of support that is actually out there as well. You know, you've got your friends and family. You've got different support in the in your communities as well. And, and my dad, to be honest, felt like he had no one to talk to. And, and here's me saying that he could have talked to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, he had so many other people to speak to. So, you know, just just please hold on and, and reach out to at least someone. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Brad. Um, this has been a really great conversation and uh, I hope it reaches someone who needs to hear it. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Yeah.